0: Good morning. Good morning to you at home. Glad you're here with us. Did anyone go shopping since Friday? No bags anymore. What's up with that? I'm carrying all this stuff, so we need some tote bags. I think we're going to try to print some. We're going to talk about printing up some MVC tote bags. Does anyone? I'm looking out. Okay. I got. Thank you, Bill. I got. How about you? Have you been shopping? You better bring a tote bag. Apparently, it's eight cents now a bag. Uh, and. Um, Some of us are old enough to remember that eight cents could actually buy you a meal, but we'll we'll just keep going. Let's pray, Lord. Thank you for this morning, uh, for a celebration of worship, Lord, that combines historic, uh, beautiful legacy hymns of our church. Uh, For some here, Lord, hearing it for the first time. For others, calling back great memories of of yesteryear, uh, great, solid relevance, Lord, even for us today. You are uh, king over all the universe, Lord, and you are here, you're present by your spirit. So God, I pray you would speak through me by your spirit this morning, as we open your word, that you would have a word for us, and you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what, what it is that you are doing in your work of restoration in our world and how we find our, ourselves in it, Lord. Prepare our hearts for the communion table as we come together to celebrate this foretaste of the kingdom to come. We ask this in your son's precious name. Amen. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or where you've come from, there is a place for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. Today we're going to look in the book of Matthew, chapter 8. And I want to set it up for just a moment. Uh, Jesus has just preached literally the greatest sermon ever proclaimed. People are blown away by what he says, by his teaching. And they're so surprised, Matthew records, he says, quote, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. Now, the scribes had all kinds of authority. Matthew sees the scene and he says, people are so blown away. This Jesus is unlike anything they've ever witnessed before. And he's just getting started the way Matthew uh, structures the gospel is to help us understand that Jesus is like the new, even greater Moses. That's why there are five teachings, five discourses in the book of Matthew, like the five first books of the Torah written by Moses. And that's why we'll see here this sermon is where, up on a mount, a mountain. Luke says that it's a flat plain, so it was maybe a bluff. And he comes down the mountain down off the pulpit into real life, into the valley places where people actually live. And he actualizes what he's just been proclaiming, a message of God's rescue and restoration of the world offered to all who hear him. And now he's about to live that out in real life, a message of restoration. So let's, let's pick up where we uh, find the scene in Matthew chapter 8. It'll be on the screen behind me and on the screen for you at home, and you can follow along. This is chapter eight of Matthew's gospel, the only four verses. It says, when he came down from the mountain, a great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the man. Saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Behold, a leper. Now, after I preach, and even now, because I've already preached one sermon, I'm a little sweaty, I'm a little, like, tired, and am little worked up, I'm already kind of worked up for second service. The last thing I want to do is interact with people too close. I don't want to get too close anyway, because I just need a little space, a little cool. Jesus has just proclaimed the greatest sermon ever heard in the history of humankind. There are great crowds around, there's no green room, there's no place for him to go hide, and here he has a leper, and the text says, behold. 62 times in the gospel of Matthew, he uses this word, behold. It means pay attention. Look, see what's about to happen. It's such a shame that many of our modern translations take out that word because it's so critical to what Matthew is trying to say, so critical to John's gospel when we say Revelation. How many times did John use the word behold? He's saying something's about to happen, something surprising, something astonishing, something unexpected, pay attention to what you're about to see. In the structure of Matthew's gospel, we have the Sermon on the Mount, chapters five to seven, where he proclaims this message of restoration. And then chapter eight to nine, there are nine miracles playing out the implications of that in real life. Nine miracles in three sets and two calls to follow Jesus. I'd invite you to to read those on your own, even, even today between... Uh, The mariners and the Seahawks find time to open the word around the table. Behold, and here we have the first miracle, the healing of a man of leprosy. It's really hard to imagine a more astounding pay attention moment than a rabbi listening to, approaching, reaching out and touching a person with leprosy and then wonder beyond wonders actually healing him of it. Of all the diseases in the ancient world, leprosy was the most feared. It's an infectious disease that, that affects the skin. Do you, do you notice we see a lot of skin infection commercials on TV? What's up with that? All those, do you, does anyone notice how all these drug commercials? There's constantly some commercial. And I, I imagine that's, that's absolutely terrible for those that suffer. And praise God, in modern times, we have uh, breakthrough in medicine to help and heal. But they didn't have that then. It's an infectious disease. It affects the skin. It discolors. It causes lumps. In severe cases, it deforms and disfigures a person. Even, even worse than skin deep, it goes deeper than that and affects the nervous system. And it deadens a person's Nerves and so it, it deadens their ability to feel pain. So, someone with leprosy could walk into a, a wall, bump into something, and rather than he- feeling any kind of pain or reacting to it or tending to the wound, would just go about their life, such as it is, and not address it. A person with leprosy could step on a nail that breaks the skin, passes through your foot. And they would not feel the pain. But beyond wrecking the body, leprosy ruined social relationships. It was only so long that a person could hide and cover up whatever it was that was happening to their body that they didn't understand. And soon they would be out of their family, out of society, out of the temple. People with this disease were judged to be under a curse. That doesn't happen in modern times, right? It doesn't happen when someone is sick and they have a disease. No one now in modern days, in 2021, anywhere in the world would judge someone for being sick and say this is a curse from God, right? That doesn't happen. Or does it? Now, Jesus had just preached of God's restoration, rescue plan for the world. And he says, there is a place for you and for you in my kingdom. And then this man comes seeking that reality. And it says that Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and says, I am willing, be clean. And immediately he's cleansed of leprosy. And it's a miracle at all kinds of levels, not just skin deep, deeper still, Socially, physically, spiritually, he is made whole again. Restored, just like the passages of scripture that Rob read this morning. I want you to look. I want you to behold. I want you to pay attention to how Jesus connects with this man. And I want you to note two of Jesus' characteristics we see here on display. If you're taking notes, write these two things down. I want you to see his authority and his authority compassion. Jesus speaks with authority. Two sets of two words. I will be clean. Jesus doesn't appeal to any higher authority. He is the authority. When he speaks, stuff happens. No lengthy prayers, no spell, no hocus pocus, no come behind the curtain and let's see what we can do and get some Pancake makeup, let's see if we can cover this out. Slip him a 20, let him go out the side door, and we'll just tell everyone it it all worked out. None of that. He speaks and stuff happens. He is the only one with that kind of authority. And see his compassion Jesus reaches out and touches the man. He addresses the man. No one would ever touch a leper, let alone hold a conversation with him. They were treated like the walking dead. As someone with leprosy was uh, walking around out on the outskirts of a village, they'd have to announce themselves, unclean, unclean. And Rebecca Law would say, you have to stay at least six feet apart from that person. That doesn't happen anymore either, does it? They were forced to live, if you can call it living, outside the walls of the city, outside the protection of the village. Remember last week we talked about Jesus being the great shepherd of the flock and he needs to go and find those sheep. Cut off from society, cut off from family, cut off from worship, cut off from life. Think of all that we've lost in this past year and a half with social distancing. Friends, never underestimate the power of touch. My mom was here last, last week for her birthday. She turned 83. You can see yeah, that, that's a, that's a great thing. 83 years old, and she hadn't been here for two years. The first thing that Jonathan and I did on my sabbatical was we flew down to the Bay Area to spend some time with her. And we toured uh, Stanford and Berkeley. And Jonathan said, nah, I wanna go you UW. So, uh, and we, we spent time with mom, but we, we made plans for her to be here for her birthday. The need for social distancing to be closed and the need for touch is absolutely vital. My mom just needed hugs and hugs and hugs from us. But her her greatest joy was a hug from Jonathan because my mom, as a younger lady, stood six foot two. And now in her 80s, her body is betraying her. She's gotten shorter and shorter. And here she has a grandson who's now strapping almost six foot five senior. And she just could wrap her arms around his waist Don't underestimate the power of touch. Now, the Greek word here translated touch in the New Testament, and it's used a number of places, haptomai. It's used 36 times in the New Testament. It means more than just a touch. And so by way of illustration, I like to ask for a volunteer. Oh, I see one, David Wright. Let's hear for David Wright. He's volunteering to come on down here. And let's consider the kind of touch we're talking about. So imagine Jesus is in the crowd, as I've stepped off the stage, and you're watching from home, and this is unusual. I see people pulling back a little bit because this is unusual. Here comes David Wright. Now, when we think about it, David, come on here to the light. Right here. No, come right here. Say hi to the cameras. Your daughter's uh, watching from Colorado. I texted her to make sure she could see I this. So. I did. <laughs> when we think of this passage, and we see it says... Uh, that Jesus reached out his hand and touched. We might think he just touched like that and, and moved along. That's not the word that's used in Greek. There, are, there is another word in Greek that means a gentle touch. Used, for instance, the woman who had been uh, having a health issue of bleeding for many, many years. And it says, if only I could touch his robe as he passed by. Again, in Acts, it mentions how Peter was given such authority as he preached that people, if they could just touch a a napkin uh, or a handkerchief that he possessed, could be healed. That's a touch. This word means attachment. It means grab hold. So Jesus didn't just touch. I think, and I'll tell you, I've been to Israel. I've been to Palestine. I have friends from the Near East, friends that are are Libyan. They are close talkers, right? We're kind of close talkers. Yeah, I thought I was going to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> and and I, believe that, I, I believe it was more like this, like a grab hold of someone. Jesus looks him in the eye and says, I will, I am willing. Be clean. Thanks, David. Let's give, give a hand for him. <laughs> We're having a little moment there. I was, didn't want it to end. It just lasts forever. Jesus attached himself to the man. Behold his compassion. And forget the rules of polite society. No gloves, no mask. And the irony is not lost in me that when we have communion, we will literally have to put on a glove and, and put on a mask. No, no hint that this man got cleaned up before this moment to be more presentable, Right. No, Jesus, he risks his health and is standing in society at that time because surely no matter what it was, no matter how compassionate he was or even if he was at a distance, he is now technically unclean. The Holy One makes holy. A leprosy has been all but eradicated in the world today. There is a, uh, a facility, that they used to call them colonies. There's a facility in Hawaii. There's... Some in India. Naturally, they're all run by Christians. The gospel in one word, write this down. One word touch. Touch. Friends, do you need a holy touch today? And some of us are saying, Who, me? Who, me? What? I'm all cleaned up. I look fine on the outside but do you need a holy touch of healing? For the gospel says that sin separates us from God and from one another. So does leprosy. And sin rots human life. So does leprosy. And both sin and leprosy are silent killers. They both deaden the senses to pain. They disfigure, they distort. But I submit to you that sin is far worse than leprosy because it goes deeper, deeper still than nerve endings. It goes to your very soul that rots and it impacts everyone around you. By his authority and his compassion, the only one says, I am willing. There is a place in heaven for the unclean, the unkempt, the unholy. There's a place for you. He hung on a cross, Peter will write, on a cursed tree, Peter will write, so that he could take the cross so that we can live free. That is the gospel. So why do some of us, and I don't know if it's all of us, but I've been doing this long enough to know there's at least some of us here, some of you at home. Why do some of you think Jesus will only attach himself to me after I clean up my act? Why do you think that? Jesus would only draw near to me, grab hold of me, after I do a few things, clean myself up, get my act together, then we can talk. That's why oftentimes I see this in a small group. It's time for prayer, and someone will say, Well, it's been an awful, terrible, no good week, but I handled it. So I'm reporting to you now what happened. So now you can pray for us now that I fixed the issue myself. That's not the gospel. Gospel living is, friends, I'm a wreck. I'm a wreck. I need God's compassion and grace right now. And I I need someone in this group to to give me a hug. That's the gospel. Because you see, Jesus touched the man, listen, before he speaks the cleansing word. Did you notice that? I say authority and compassion But what comes first? Compassion comes first. The Holy One grabs hold of him before he speaks a word to make him holy. And then Jesus tells the man, don't tell anybody, but show yourself to the priest, give an offering. Why would he do that? Well, those are provisions that are laid out uh, in Leviticus 14. This is the the law, the the right way of living, the manual God's given uh, to the prophets to how to live life in the most unlikely of circumstances that someone would actually be healed of leprosy, they were to follow this mandate, to go to the priest, to give an offering before the Lord, and then they would be what? Restored to society. Jesus says this as a second healing for the man. The first is the physical. The second is the spiritual. And the third here is the social, the emotional. He's presenting the new order of restoration that he just got finished preaching about on that mountaintop. This is how Jesus relates to this man, authority, compassion. How does the man relate to Jesus? Let's look again at the text. Somehow he knew this one can heal me. And somehow he knew this rabbi won't reject me. Somehow he knew he was the only one who could do it. And why would he think that? Because he's just heard the greatest sermon ever preached. And he takes a step of faith. And he breaks all the social rules and he moves closer to Jesus. And when I asked just a moment ago, do any of us need a healing touch from Jesus? I got so much as a little head nod. A little wink, like if we're playing that, what's that game? Mafia. Students, you know that one. We you sort of wink at someone. This person knows this is the answer. He breaks all the norms. He doesn't care about social distancing. He does whatever he can to get to Jesus. How do I know that? Look at the text. The text says the man knelt before Jesus. Parakunano. It means worship. It means he fell down at his knees in reverence. And what does he say? Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And I don't think that if is sort of like a conditional, if you could, I believe that you you might be able to do this. No, I think it's, it's out of reverence. No, I, I believe that, that you are the Lord, that you are from heaven. So I, I humbly submit to you, if you will, it will be done. And if you choose it not to be, then You're the only one who can make that call. I think that's really what it means when he says here, I know you can, if it be your will. To pray this prayer, Lord, if it be your will, is a prayer of reverence. Faith doesn't demand, faith doesn't beg, but sometimes faith puts you on your knees. Are there areas where you want Jesus to touch your life? Your life. Not Jesus, can you fix the issues with this person in my life? Is there an issue in your life where you need his healing touch? To grab hold of a circumstance that distorts or discomforts you right now, can you name it right now? And do you believe that he can heal? You see, when the man asks to be made clean, he's thinking physically. He's thinking of the disease. Jesus cleanses him, but what happens is much, much more, isn't it? It goes at all those different levels. It's not just the physical. It's the spiritual. It's the social. It's the emotional. The greater disease needs a greater cure, and the man with leprosy gets more than he asked for. Not only physical healing, but actual restoration. So my friends, I challenge you to pray this prayer. Lord, if you will, please heal me. Know that it will go deeper than you expect right now. Lord, fix this situation in my life. And Jesus says, okay, let me fix you, what's happening inside. Not me, no, no. It's, it's, my, it's my kid off at college or it's this distant relationship over over here that they need the fixing. Can you solve that problem? And he says, no, no. I'm going to come in and change everything. There's a scene in John's gospel where Jesus uh, confronts a man who's been paralyzed for decades. And he says to the man, do you want to be healed? You think, well, of course. I mean, I, of course he'd want to be healed, right? There are many people that are living paralyzed, willing to accept the kind of change that the deep healing that Jesus offers. It would change everything in your life. So what do we do? Knowing that praying this prayer will make you uncomfortable, will hit you at every level in your life. What do we do? I think we're encouraged to do as this man did, to hear and to see that the Lord is present to you right now in this place where you are watching right now. Say, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. And to pray that prayer in faith, on your knee if you need to, in reverent obedience to him, to bring our whole selves like the man with leprosy came to Jesus to call on his name. But if you do, be prepared to receive life change beyond what you're asking for right now. There are areas in your life that you may be numbed or dead into that you don't know still exist within you. Attitudes and outlooks about how things work in the world that cause you to be separated in distance. And Jesus wants to move in to your life and bring his healing touch all the way through to your very soul. So stop thinking that you need to get cleaned up before you come to him. Come to him now. He offers you his compassion and his grace and he has the authority to say just one word to change your life. To the one with all authority and compassion. Lord, if you will, you can make me whole again.